Welcome to SD Europe's podcast. For this episode, as a part of our For a Better Football podcast mini-series, we will be speaking to Alberto Colombo, the Deputy General Secretary of the European Leagues. So today we are joined by Alberto Colombo, the Deputy General Secretary of European Leagues. Thank you for joining us today, Alberto. Good morning and thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have the opportunity to, to share some, some talks with, uh, with the fans across Europe. Yeah, thank you. So to kick things off, um, can you tell the listeners a bit about European Leagues, uh, who your members are and what your position is with the organization? Yes, absolutely. So the, the European Leagues uh, is the official association representing uh, the interest of uh, the leagues and therefore the domestic uh, league competition across Europe. Uh, nowadays, we have uh, 36 uh, members uh, across leagues. So our membership goes from uh, big leagues like the Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, the French League of Serie A, the so-called top five, but also all the other medium and small leagues ac across Europe, you know, from, from Finland to Greece, from Portugal uh, to Russia, uh, all uh, across Europe. And as I said, we represent the, the, the voice of uh, the domestic competition, in, of course, mainly in the international landscape and vis-a-vis uh, -vis the so-called, let's say, football family in Europe that comprehends and includes the leagues, the clubs, the players, and the national uh, uh, associations. So that um, it's, uh, it is then, of course, fundamental that uh, in this uh, overall, uh, let's say, stakeholder landscape that uh, we have a sound and uh, proper uh, relation also with uh, what is probably the most important stakeholders in football uh, together with the players which are the fans. And um, could you tell us a little bit about what your your position is uh, with the European leagues? Yes sure my my role as the Deputy General Secretary is to uh, be the liaison uh, with the main stakeholders uh, in football whether it is FIFA, UEFA, uh, the clubs, uh, and the players, uh, uh, the media and uh, Last but not least, of course, uh, uh, the funds and keeping the relation with the funds organization lies, for instance, uh, uh, supported direct Europe and, uh, and the other main uh, funds organization with football supported Europe. And uh, I'm also in charge of um, some operation within the organization and uh, in charge of um, communication and the relation with the media. I see. Um... Now, for your for your members, obviously, uh, as for the rest of the world, the last eight months have been far outside of the normal, um, and it's obviously created a lot of new challenges um, to an already stressed industry. Um, could you share with us uh, what the main problems have been for your members over you know the last eight months, um, and perhaps uh, maybe share a contrast for what the different challenges have been for the smaller leagues and the bigger leagues? Well, absolutely. When uh, the virus, unfortunately, has been um, uh, hitting uh, uh, quite hardly uh, uh, the football industry, right? I mean, we might all recall uh, what happened in, uh, in, in March when the, the, the pandemic uh, um, came across Europe. And uh, you might also recall how the very first uh, uh, decision has been taken in March. It was a joint resolution by European football stakeholders, the leagues, the clubs, the players, and the national association, 
and to basically postpone the euro and and, uh, and move it for one year and that was the kickoff of a very important and tough period of work among the stakeholders in order to first of all finding the the, the opportunities when it comes to calendar right i mean everybody knows uh, how managing calendar in football is one of the toughest things and when there is something related to uh, to postponement of championship of competition due in this case to covid of course you need a proper engagement with all the stakeholders so the big challenge at the beginning has been to find calendar opportunities for the leagues after a long stop after a long break of uh, in certain cases more than two months finding a calendar opportunity to resume the competition. And this has been an incredible work in cooperation. And I have to stress this in excellent cooperation with UEFA in order to find in calendar opportunities. And as you are aware, we find an extraordinary calendar window in order to allow domestic competition to finish and to resume their season 1920s and playing till the end of July, while at the same time uh, finding a, a calendar opportunity for UEFA to finish and resume their competition uh, and therefore the Champions League and the Europa League uh, during the month of August. But this not, the problem was not only related to calendar. Of course, uh, uh, the stakeholders, uh, together with FIFA, uh, had to adapt um, and change and amend provisionally uh, the regulatory framework because usually the football season ends at the, the end of June, but due to the extraordinary circumstances and domestic leagues and, and uh, international club competition finish uh, whether at the end of July and the end of August and therefore FIFA had to amend uh, provisionally uh, a few regulations related to the, the status and the transfer of, uh, of the players, you know, and that that work was absolutely needed in order to allow, for instance, uh, the players and the clubs to maintain their contractual obligation uh, and, and to allow players to keep playing for uh, the clubs till the end, the very end of the season that was not the normal end of, of the season. And then last but not least, but I will say for our league's operation has been the most important things, has been to develop uh, those protocols and procedures in order to be able to play under COVID conditions. So mm -hmm. the leagues has to um, sit together with their respective domestic health authorities and governments in order to find the condition for the training to resume, in order to find the condition for match operation to resume. And, and, and there's been a tough job, uh, of course, across Europe, and, and now, of course, one of the most, most important, uh, uh, the say, task of the leagues, taking consideration now that we are at the beginning of the new season 2020-2021, is uh, to find the opportunities for the fans to back to the stadium. And this is an incredible work that the leagues are doing uh, at home with their respective clubs, with the respective authorities, not only at a national level, also a regional level, and with the respecting governments. And here, the role of the European leagues, of course, is to uh, create as much more, as much as possible, uh, uh, um, information sharing among, mm -hmm. among our domestic members. There is a lot of knowledge that has been developed on these issues, whether technical knowledge on how to manage uh, the stadiums, to manage the tribunes, or to manage the transport of fans, but also when it comes to 
the specific protocols, right, right, um, related to how to run it and how to manage the the processes in 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 relation and in respect with the with the health authorities and the government. So that this is a huge dossier. Of course, the LISA keep working on their protocol and name procedures when it comes to specific issues like uh, testing players or mm. let's say testing uh, uh, all those that are involved. But now there is a new task on the desk and uh, of our domestic leagues and our desk as well is to help them to have fans back to the stadiums. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you, you've touched on it there. Um, but it would be really interesting to know how the European leagues um, has been supporting its members through these issues. I think you mentioned a little bit there about information sharing. But yeah, it would be great to know a little bit more about this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have established... Uh, uh, a task force related to COVID issues and the two main dossier that we discuss within this task force are of course the protocols and procedures relating to um, training related to match operation related to testing and then the second main dossier uh, that we are discussing is exactly the return of funds to the venues across Europe and we meet regularly more or less every other other week with a huge participation of our um, members and during the last task force actually we have been uh, invited uh, um, Antonia the CEO of uh, supported our Europe and Ron under the CEO of uh, supporter a uh, fund supporter Europe and um, and we had the opportunity to share some talks about the role that the leagues have uh, both at international and domestic level in uh, involving the fans in, in this discussion, right? Because uh, at the end of the day, you are the protagonist of uh, of these and we are uh, together with the, respe- the respective health authorities, the domestic leagues uh, are taking certain decisions that of course affect fans as well. So to have uh, a proper consultation and a proper um, exchange of opinions, uh, concern and talks on what is the best way to have fans back to the stadium in a safe way, because let's let's uh, important to stress this, you know, I mean the, the the safety of all those involved in this moment during this COVID time, it is our priority. And if we have been stressing uh, so many times that uh, it is important to safeguard the safety of the players and those uh, club staffs for the resume of competition, now of course priority also number one is to consider that the safety of the fans. Is the most important things if we want fans to get back to the venues but in order to do so we need to keep having a conversation with the fans organization i mean we all know that the, the relation between has and uh, for instance supported direct europe uh, as european leagues is fantastic but the, the main reason why we are keeping this conversation because we absolutely want to announce these relation also at domestic level. It's absolutely important that our domestic members are engaging with fans organization at domestic level and if it's needed also at local level between the clubs and the local fans at the community level in order to listen and to try to let's say implement together protocol and procedures for the for the gradual return of fans uh, to, to the venues. And it's a quite complex process because, you know, uh, at the very end, those that are taking the final decision is not the leagues, are not the fans, but are the health authorities. But we need to have a proper engagement between all the stakeholders uh, also because the, 
the implementation of these will also depend on the evolution of the virus, right? So mm -hmm. we and in this change from country to country to region to region, so that we need altogether to implement protocols and procedure that as as flexible as possible in order maybe to you know uh, uh, and relax restriction when the virus wave is not big, and why not to restrict. A regulation when the wave might hit uh, in a stronger way, you know. So we need, and it is something that probably we have been good doing in the past. The football industry has been good during this period, is this level of adaptability and flexibility, and that maybe was not there in the past, you know. So that there is something positive probably that COVID brought to football. The football industry is this level of flexibility and adaptability, and we have to give credit to the fans as well, because there has been an important understanding by the fans across Europe that safety has come first, but now we need to see it to have fans back. Mm. So great, so moving on from there, uh, the European leagues has been outspoken in the past about the risks of uh, restructuring the European competitions, um, which is something uh, which was shared and discussed with SD Europe back then. From your perspective, what has changed since the pandemic you know happened and began um and did anything change or or are these problems still the same that they were before about this risk of changing european competitions well uh, there's no doubt the european leagues has been very much vocal and during the past uh, uh, month and years about stressing how european football is going in a direction where financial polarization is increasing and when there is a mounting and growing gap uh, between a few rich clubs and, and the rest. And these, uh, let's say, uh, financial gap then is, is, is basically also a sporting gap, right? And uh, I mean, COVID, uh, of course, uh, um, is, uh, is hitting hard our industry, you know, and like in every, when, whenever we have a crisis, and this is not me saying this, is the history, uh, and saying this, whenever there is a crisis, uh, basically, usually, the the ones that suffer the most are the small fishes, right? So there is no doubt that uh, if we consider the industry of football, uh, COVID is uh, uh, for sure having a great uh, financial impact uh, all across Europe. But those that are suffering the most are for sure the medium and the small clubs uh, across Europe. I mean, maybe when it comes to absolute numbers and the revenues that the big clubs are losing on, on during the COVID crisis is probably bigger than, than the medium and small clubs. But this is normal because their economy is bigger. But uh, in every crisis, in every industry, the medium and small uh, uh, players, and when I say players, I mean clubs here, the, mini, the mm. protagonist uh, in, in, in the arena are the ones suffering the most. So that uh, uh, it is probably uh, fair to say that uh, these crises could uh, uh, further increase the financial gaps that we have and further increase the problem of financial polarization. So that this gives us... Uh, uh, additional responsibility in order to face the discussion that we have on the reform, for instance, of international club competition during the upcoming month. You know, as, as I understand it, um, for European leagues, uh, compet competitive balance is, is crucial for the sustainable development of the game. Um, and, you know, of course, SD Europe believes in this too. Uh, and, you know, 
would also you know with, with its members say that in, in many cases it's the root of of the problem that we do have in in european football um could you share with us what you believe needs to happen around having you know ensuring there is a competitive balance and who you are liaising with on this matter well absolutely competitive balance is the secret of a competition uh, and uh, is also the secret in order to keep uh, and to enhance the interest of uh, the fans in football we are obliged to give importance is a huge responsibility to competitive balance in every single competition across Europe, whether these are domestic competition or whether these are international club competition run by UEFA. Because the secret of sport is the unpredictability of the results. I mean, a football fan, whether they go to the stadium or they look at a football match on TV sitting in their sofa, they are interested about the competition if it is a compelling competition, it is an exciting match, if there is a proper balance in the pitch. I mean, football and sport in general is different from the other industry because you need, in order to have a successful product, you need to have a strong opponent. I mean, if uh, there are matches and a lot of matches in competition that finish 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, I guess that fans could lose the interest in... Uh, uh, watching the games, whether it is at home or whether it is on the stadium. So safeguarding competitive balance and safeguarding a proper sporting balance in each competition is the secret of sport so that we have a huge responsibility to defend these. Now, uh, we are all aware that there is a process and that there are current discussions regarding the reform of club competition in Europe. And here is definitely the platform where we want to raise our position and our main principle. I mean, there is a, an upcoming decision on, on the revenue distribution model for the upcoming cycle. And in order to defend competitive balance, I guess that has been quite clear from the European leagues that our position is the one of try to enhance and improve as much as possible the level of solidarity in European football. Why solidarity is important? Because in order to keep and protect and enhance competitive balance, we need a, a, a fair redistribution of the resources, both at domestic level, but in this case also at international level. So enhance solidarity means to distribute more revenue to non-participating clubs in order to keep and safeguard the competitive balance at domestic level, but also international level. Now, moving on from there, um, onto the relationship uh, with fans. Um, SD Europe has been working with many of your members on improving the relationships between them and national supporters organizations. Uh, now, what is the European League's view on building the relationships uh, to the fans? No, it's fundamental. In fundamental. Uh, first, because I think that we have uh, a lot of in common. I mean, we, we like to say that uh, domestic football is the bread and butter of football, right? And, uh, and the fans are really uh, there to cheer um, every, single, every single week and every single weekend, you know. And uh, domestic football is the bread and butter of football, is the big cake, and international club football is the cherish on the cake, you know. So mm -hmm. it's absolutely normal since the fans are filling the stadium or watching TV uh, and every single weekend 
that we have a common understanding on the development of football and the role that football play within the society and more importantly the role the football play at domestic level and even more at local level within the community football play a role within the community and the fans play an important role within the community so to have a proper uh, exchange of views exchange of talks uh, and to involve the football fans in the most important discussion and then decision regarding the development of football is absolutely fundamental because uh, because the fans are an important stakeholders and we absolutely cannot neglect uh, and their voices you know as you say there um you know it, it's fundamental and they need to be fans need to be in these discussions um in germany now in the bundesliga they have this task force uh, which of course you know has fan representatives on it too would you say this is something that other leagues should be looking to to bring about to implement yeah i mean there's no doubt that the bundesliga was very well and the relation between the bundesliga and the and the german fans organization is excellent now there are a lot of other uh, um good example of best practices across Europe. I mean, we know how, um, to, to, not to mention only uh, the big leagues, uh, but we know how the, the relation between uh, uh, the Swedish professional football leagues and the fans organization uh, is absolutely exceptional. Uh, and uh, uh, in, in, in all those senses, and, and actually the fans has been very much uh, involved also in the later decision regarding uh, COVID and regarding how to resume competition or how to involve the fans within the venues, but then the relation is also good in other in other in other in other countries. I mean, the football uh, supporter association in England is uh, liaising daily with the Premier League. The same regarding the association in France, which play an important role in developing the protocols for the return uh, of the fans within the stadium, together with the the French LFP, and there are some other excellent examples. Uh, it's still not enough. Uh, we are more than aware that uh, in certain countries, the relation has margin to improve, and in some other countries, uh, maybe there is no relation at all. And this is where we, as European leagues, together with uh, you supporting Dire Europe and the other football organization, we have to play a role. I mean, we are absolutely need to stimulate as much as possible uh, to create these contacts where they are not active and and to to try to have the stakeholder at domestic level to perform their work because without having stakeholder relation between the leagues and the national association the fans at domestic level it's difficult then to portray this at international level as i said we are in a good route the relation is improving uh, in several leagues fans in several countries sorry fans and domestic competition organizer are talking on a daily basis we just have to keep going and ideally have to these uh, all across europe and and across all the territories uh, in uh, in, um, in in our continent uh, now I'm, I'm sure you'll agree um that the supporter liaison officer role has been an important tool over the last 10 years when it comes to the relationship and dialogue between fans and their clubs. Uh, now, unfortunately, it's also uh, vulnerable in the pandemic, you know, with clubs looking to make cuts in the light of, you know, financial difficulties. Um, what's your take on sort of protecting the supporter liaison officer role? No, I guess it's important. Uh, I mean, your organization play 
an important role uh, for the inclusion of uh, sport license officer um, within uh, the official UEFA club licensing, right? And that mm -hmm. is absolutely important because it is the proper recognition about uh, uh, the role that the fans that I have and having a person that is fully responsible to play the link and to establish a bridge between the fans and the club when it comes to UEFA matters. Now, uh, it's absolutely important that the same could happen also uh, when it comes to domestic competition. And we know that, of course, that there are uh, support liaison officers in all the clubs that play regularly in UEFA club competition. And I guess that our, our role is to try to have uh, more and more clubs across Europe, uh, not only in the big leagues, but also in the medium and small leagues, in order to uh, have a proper link between the fans' organization and, uh, um, and the domestic competition organizer. We know that support liaison officers are now uh, and will try to play a role also for these issues of the return of fans to the stadium. And there are current discussions between your organization and UEFA. And what we have discussed lately also with, uh, with the CEO of, uh, of supported Dario Rupa, Antonia, is to try to have uh, 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 the SLO uh, more active also at domestic level when it comes to domestic club football mm. uh, and having them involved in the discussion at league level, but also at club level uh, for the return of fans to the stadium in this specific uh, process uh, uh, related to COVID. But of course, this is not the, not the only issues on our table, but of course, better to start with that and then also include them in, in, in further in further important issues uh, uh, that could be discussed between uh, the leagues and the fans. Uh, obviously, SD Europe values uh, the relationship it has with the European leagues um, and has a long-time supporter uh, of its work in the European League's chairman, uh, Lars Christer Olsen. Um, I actually understand that he played a role in the creation of SD Europe uh, all those years ago uh, in his previous role working for UEFA. Um, where do you see the relationship with SD Europe and the European League going in the future, you know, and how it should evolve? Now, first, I mean, you mentioned our president, Las Christer Olson, and, uh, and there's no secret that I've been mentioning in doing this uh, podcast, uh, the fact that uh, uh, in Sweden there are uh, exceptional relations between the fans and, and the league, and, and Las Christer is, is uh, not only the president of the European Leagues, but also the president of the Swedish League, so that uh, mm. uh, that uh, uh, is happening not by chance, but exactly because uh, Las Christer has been always pushed um, within our platform as a priority, their relation with uh, the fans organization, so that uh, uh, the Swedish League actually represent uh, uh, a benchmark represent the best practice uh, and to be followed by all other leagues uh, at domestic level. As said, we have to keep uh, uh, having a constant relation between uh, has and the leagues. We have to uh, involve uh, the fans in a uh, lot of discussion. You know, uh, we're mentioning uh, during this session the issues of COVID and there are, let's say, short-term priorities and that are, let's say, main and represent main dossier for our members and is proper that the fans need to be 
um, reached, uh, not only in the consultation process, but also to be engaged in the decision-making process. And then uh, it is also fundamental, we have been discussing during this session, the issues of the reform, potential reform of, uh, of football and mainly the international club competition. Uh, we believe that it is uh, fundamental that uh, the fans organization, of course, supported by Europe, could play a role. Uh, once again, we have to start uh, at domestic level because it is there where we need to establish the bridge at local level between the clubs and the fans, domestic level between the national uh, domestic uh, fans organization and the domestic uh, uh, league competition organizer. And if we are able to create a solid base across Europe at domestic level, we will be able to have a stronger uh, uh, liaison even in Europe where um, this decision will be taken. Okay, Alberto, thank you. That, that's just about everything that we've got time for today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. It's been fascinating. Um, is there anything that you would like to add uh, before we finish up? Oh, thank you. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you uh, and support the Diary Europe for the opportunity uh, to share talks with the fans. I mean, to finish, uh, I guess that uh, it's important to stress that we are living uh, in an extraordinary period uh, within the society and, and in our industry. You know, and it was unthinkable a few months ago um, just to guess that um, football could be played within the stadium, within the venues, without fans. You know, it's, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, there is no football um, without fans. Uh, but uh, the, the industry and, and uh, more specifically the leagues uh, have been able to, to, to try to adapt uh, to, the, to the situation in order to bring football back to the fans and that I guess that was that was the most important priority and the second priority that uh, is absolutely and the responsibility of uh, my organization and our members domestic level is now to bring football bank to the fans not only uh, uh, on the screens but uh, in uh, in uh, in the football venues so that priority number one on our desk at the moment is the uh, to do our best in order to have a gradual return of the fans within the stadium uh, all across Europe because uh, you are very much missed. That's it. I think, you know, everyone would agree that the sooner that, you know, fans can come back to watching football safely, uh, the absolute better. <laughs> Thanks ever so much, Alberto. So initially, uh, we spoke to Alberto from the European Leagues last month uh, in, in anticipation of releasing the podcast this month. Uh, however, since then, the conversation in certain circles surrounding a so-called European Super League um, have resurfaced. So we decided to invite Alberto back to answer an extra question on this subject, and he very kindly accepted. So Alberto, thank you ever so much for coming back to speak with us. Uh, it's very much appreciated. Thanks, uh, thanks, uh, Luke, and thanks to Supported Direct uh, for having me again. Um, yes, I mean, um, I have an easy answer uh, to this uh, question and this issue. And uh, I mean, we are not surprised, I have to say, uh, that, uh, and this is something that is happening uh, in a cycling way 
uh, I will say during the last 20 years, every time that there are upcoming important decisions in the future uh, or on the reform of UEFA club competition, whether this is on the access to the competition or whether this is related to the calendar or the revenue distribution, whenever there are important uh, upcoming decisions in UCC, uh, every three, four years, we see um, basically these uh, uh, rumors and these news about uh, uh, the potential creation of a close uh, uh, super leagues for the big uh, uh, global clubs and, uh, and brands. And um, I don't think that these represent a threat. I think that is the classic uh, uh, argument used by a few, and there are always more or less the same person in the same clubs, um, basically trying to put pressure over the decision makers, try to put pressure to threaten uh, uh, UEFA in order to get something uh, delivered. I think that uh, there is no need to worry at all. Of course, it is an alarm for uh, everybody in the football community. And when I say everybody in football community, is uh, for the for the leagues because we believe representing the interest of the leagues that the leagues represent the the the, the bread and butter of uh, of football, uh, but also for all the clubs in Europe because there are not only clubs, uh, giant clubs uh, uh, pretending to have uh, an hegemonia at global level. We have clubs that participate from time to time to European club competition, and we have clubs that do not participate to European club competition for, for the interest of the sustainability of the leagues, for the interest of the sustainability of the clubs, for the overall passionate interest of the football fans. Uh, I think that we have, uh, in general, all to fight uh, uh, together um, these ideas. And, uh, and I think it is the time not only for us, but also for the football uh, governing body, whether a global level, FIFA, whether a European level, where it's time to step up and, and try to, um, to basically uh, kill these arguments and these, uh, and these voices because uh, the football and the beauty of football, like it is, is based on, uh, on sporting merit, is based on a possibility to achieve a dream, is uh, basically uh, based on the, on the basic principle of promotion and relegation and achieving success on the pitch. And this is what drives the passion uh, uh, that uh, all we have in football and mainly the passion of the fans all across Europe, so that um, I think that um, it is actually these kind of rumors and this is kind of threat that are no real threat. Let me r repeat these that we also uh, help uh, further as to unifying uh, uh, and and get uh, all together across the main value of European football. Well, yeah, I think. Um... You know, I'm sure, you know, many clubs and many fans ac across the continent, um, you know, will be really pleased to, you know, hear this from you and hear your point of view. So thank you for, for coming back and sharing that with us, Alberto. It's uh, very much appreciated. Yeah, it's a pleasure, you know, and we value very much our cooperation with the fans. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Please do listen to the other podcasts in this mini-series in addition to the ones that we've previously published. To find out more information about SD Europe, head to www.sdeurope.eu.